Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Requirements for salvation, requirements for discipleship. We're talking about two different things. 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are verses that talks about salvation. And there are verses that talks about service. And you're not supposed to mix them up. Because if you put the ones for discipleship into salvation, then you have mutilated the gospel and nobody can be saved from that message. Because it causes people to put hope in their lifestyle or in their work, their good deeds, instead of totally trusting Christ. And whenever you put your confidence in your life, you have reason to doubt your salvation. If you just go by what he says, you don't have to ever question and doubt your salvation. The only reason you have doubts because I came across this verse that seems to say if it contradicts Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it means something else. So I need to understand how much God loves me. That's for salvation. Surface, well, that's because, you know, I want to show my love and appreciation for what the Lord's done for me. Another requirement to be a disciple. And you'll see this phrase mentioned in the Bible. Bear the cross, bear the cross. But you wonder, well, what does it mean? Because he says in Luke 14, and whosoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. He didn't say you couldn't be saved. He says you can't be my disciple. Because, you see, what is his cross? Bear his cross and come after me. Cannot be my disciple. Now, many times we say, you know, there's verses that says, come unto me. And I will give you rest. Coming to Christ is generally salvation. Coming after Christ is for service. And you can do the one, not do the other. Now, he's talking about being a disciple. I don't know if I've ever met the man who totally meets all these requirements to the T. Because it's um, portions of it, yes, and portions of it, no. It's just like I tell my, my son, I says, son, I want you to take him uh, go wash the car and cut the grass and uh, wash the dishes. Well, he washed the dishes, but he forgot to wash the car and cut the grass. So was he totally obedient? No, his obedience was limited. 
I'll reward him for what he did, but he'll suffer the consequences of what he didn't do. God does the same thing with us. God gives us his ideal, knowing that we are flesh and that God is, says he pitieth us <laughs> in the Psalms. I think it's Psalms 103. But now get this. What does it mean for a person to bear his cross? Because the Bible says, whosoever does not bear his cross cannot come after me. So could it be the burden that is caused by following the Lord? In other words, if I decided, and I did years ago, I'm going to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord produced a lot of problems in my life. It produced problems I didn't have before. Now I've got to watch where I go and what I think and what I say. See, before it, it didn't matter. But when I wanted to serve the Lord, it became an additional burden to me. But there's something else also to this. We often try to get God's people to get a burden for souls. So some people think, well, to get a burden for souls, you've got to come down to the front, kneel at the altar, and pray and beg God to give you a burden for souls. I used to think that. But then I realized to get a burden for souls, all you have to do is accept the responsibility to reach them. Mission accomplished. And I didn't have to beg and whine and plead with God to give me something that he's already told me, go. My problem was I was trying to find a loophole to keep him going. Well, I asked God to give me a burden for souls, and guess what? He didn't. So therefore, I don't have to do anything. Why? Because I asked God to give me a burden for souls. He didn't give me one. So you don't want me to do something in the flesh, do you? Well, look at the next statement. Could it be the burden the Lord carries for the lost? Why did the Lord carry that cross? Because he wanted people that were lost to be saved. And the only way they can be saved is by paying for their sins. Because he's concerned about the lost. They couldn't save themselves. There was no way except what he did for them. So God has given to us this burden, this responsibility. He said, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, you've got to bear his cross. Bear this burden. And he tells us in his word, his burden is that the lost man hears the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, every creature. Because God cares. Can I have a bigger burden than what God has? When it was his burden that he shared with the rest of us. How often does a disciple have to bear his cross? Okay, you got to bear his cross. Okay, well, how often do I have to do this thing? It's interesting because he says this in Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. How often should I have this burden, this concern? Every day. Every day. In other words, there's no vacation time from this burden. It should be something that's always on your mind. And one day you may just pass out of track. Sometimes, as Jesus said, everywhere he went, he went about doing good. Be a blessing to people. Be kind. Be considerate. Take up his cross daily. Now, I, I wrote this down because I knew you wouldn't get that verse. 
It was way too hard and complicated for you. I knew you'd never figure it out. So I dug into the Hebrew and the Greek, and this is what I came out with. We are to come after him, deny ourselves, take up his cross daily and follow him. How often? Every day. But what does it mean to deny him? That's another good statement, isn't it? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. In other words, he lived every day as a crucified man. As though every day that old fella, that old sinful nature is crucified and he only has one hope, one goal, and that's to live a holy, godly life. To follow the Lord and do whatever God wants him to do. You see, it affects your attitude. As far as the love of the things of this world, we can have things, we can enjoy things, and God says, I've given you all freely, all things to enjoy, and you can enjoy, but don't fall in love with them. Where they, well, they take priority over the love of God. Over they, they take priority over His purpose in your life, and you lose your burden for souls. I used to tell the college kids, flee anything that quenches your desire for the Word of God and quenches your desire for souls and quenches that desire to pray and quenches that desire for fellowship with other believers. Get away from anything that would destroy the purpose of why God left you here. So, does the unbeliever have to bear a cross to be saved? Do you know the answer? I put it up there three times because I know one for the body, soul, and the spirit, so you get it. Does the unbeliever have to bear a cross to be saved? That means, is there something he has to do as far as following and doing and quitting? And No, he doesn't. God does not require that of a lost man. Who bore the cross that we could be saved? And he, bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and there he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He did that for us. That's past tense now. It's already been done. And in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, it says this, and anybody who believes that they're helping, well, we've got to help him. Now, he doesn't need your help. He says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had, with our help, purged our sins. Now, some of y'all aren't reading it, so you didn't know I got it wrong. When he had by himself purged our sin. You see, there is no purgatory. Jesus had already done purged our sin. He paid for the sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So that job is already done. So we need to rightly divide the word. That word again, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be seen, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, there's scriptures that talks about salvation, and there's scriptures that talks about serving God. And if you don't keep them separate, you're going to get it all mixed up and think you have to serve the Lord in order to go to heaven. So a lot of people think, well, if that's what i got to do, then I might as well forget it right now. 
And so what they teach, I am not interested in whether or not I offend anyone who teaches a false message. I'm more concerned about all those people that are believing the false message. Their destiny. So I need to understand how much God loves me. Jesus bore the cross to Calvary that I could be saved. See, that's one thing. Discipleship is different. I must love the Lord above everyone else. I must take up the cross daily if I want to be his disciple. That's service. See, I can be born into God's family and never serve God. But should I serve him? Yes, I should. There's a lot of things we should do. We should go to church, but we don't have to. We should study God's word, but we don't have to. You should live a holy life, but you don't have to. Because our salvation was based upon what Christ did, not what we do. Another requirement, because in the book of Luke, chapter 14, it talks about counting the cost, paying the price. Now, he says, for which of you intending to build a tower, uh, setteth not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. You see, when you get saved, there's no cost for you to consider because Jesus paid the price. But when it comes to service, are you willing to pay that price? You see, a lot of people wish, well, I'd like to have, you know, a Bible college education and go serve God full time and all. But you've got to pay a price. You're going to have to be disciplined. You're going to have to study, memorize verses, take tests, and do it long enough for somebody to say, I think you're ready. There is a cost or a price a believer must be willing to pay to be a disciple. And over the years, there's a price I've been willing to pay. But the price that I paid is nothing compared to the blessings I've received. It is worth it. Every sacrifice. But there is a sacrifice. And that's why he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. That's service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Pay the price. Why pay the price? So we could be saved? Or who did? Jesus Christ paid that price for us. And this is why he says, it is finished. He paid it in full. And so therefore, we still must always Rightly divide the word of truth. So Jesus paid the full price for our salvation. To be a disciple, you have to pay the price. You'll have to admit, it's got to be two different things. It can't be the same thing. Forsake all that you have. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. Well, that's a high bar. Forsake everything that you have. I don't know if many people are willing to do that. I don't even know if I am. But I know we sacrifice as we go. And everybody's going to have a a limited love and a limited, you know, service to the Lord because we got limited faith. We don't believe. We got questions and doubts of how is God going to do this or that. So for you to be a disciple of Christ, you must be willing to forsake all that you have and follow him. But see, this is why some people get it mixed up and they apply that to salvation. Say, that's what you got to do to be saved. And if you don't serve the Lord, that means you're not saved. You're not going to heaven when you die. No, it means you're not serving God. It means you're a disobedient child of God. 
and all of God's children can be. Although Christ requires the maximum, you and I are free to determine our own limits of dedication. It's your choice. You can decide, how much do I want to serve the Lord? I don't believe everybody in this church is all exactly the same in their dedication to the Lord. I believe there's some people probably be more dedicated than somebody else. But that's between them and the Lord, right? You can see me go through the motion, but you don't know how dedicated I am to the Lord if I do what I do because I love Him. I could be fooling all of you. That's okay, you could be fooling me too. Does the unbeliever have to forsake all that he has and follow Christ to be saved? No. It is by that which Christ forsook for all that brings salvation. And that's why he says, For you know the grace of the Lord, how that Christ, though he was rich, became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. So that's what he did, but he did that for us. Now there's a lot of things we may do to reach other people. Jesus forsook the riches. And because of that, I can be made rich. For discipleship, I must be willing to forsake all that I have to be his disciple. Two different things. Rightly dividing the word of God. And when you don't, you're going to have problems. And you'll listen to some preachers, and they'll get you all mixed up. And you'll begin to question whether you're saved because, well, that's what the preacher says. And yet it contradicts Ephesians 2, 8, 9, or 1 John 5, 13. Confess Christ before men. Everybody thinks you've got to do this. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. So if you've got to confess Christ before men, do you have to do this to be saved? No. No, you don't. Does God require an unbeliever to confess Christ before men to be saved? No, he does not. You see, there's people who trusted Christ as Savior, believed in the Lord, and did not confess. You see, there in John chapter 12... Many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not what? Believers who did not confess Christ before men. And yet, how many times have I heard, and I've been there, I've watched. If you want to be saved, you've got to confess Christ before men. Let's all stand and sing 15 verses of just as I am while you come on down here to the front. And so we can confess Christ before men. You did it that one time. Well, you're, you didn't fulfill that one. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about me living my life confessing Christ. I've been confessing Christ for 59 years. Not one time in one church at one experience and said, I didn't fulfill my job. No. After this, Joseph Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. And some, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. So you see, you can trust Christ and believe on Christ. And at the same time, because you love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And you're not going to serve him like you ought to. What will happen to a believer? Well, he says this, and you need to understand. In that verse that we just read, it's talking about those who already believed. And now there's a confess Christ in service. And the result will be they're going to get something. And there's something that's going to be denied if they do not confess Christ. They deny salvation? No. They can be denied rewards. See this verse? And whosoever shall give to drink one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, disciple, he shall in no wise lose his what? Reward. Reward. So Matthew chapter 10 talking about rewards. 
service, not talking about how to go to heaven. If some people just read a little bit further and read it in this context, they'd be all right. So you see, a lot of these things you need to understand. I need to understand how much God loves me. I must love the Lord above everyone else. See, that's two different things. On this side, it's what you do for salvation. The other side is not. So you see, Jesus bore a cross to Calvary that I could be saved. I must take up a cross. Jesus paid the full price of my salvation. I must be willing to pay the price required to be a disciple. Jesus forsook the riches and his position in heaven so I could be saved and go to heaven. I must be willing to forsake all that I have to be his disciple. It is my personal acceptance of Christ that brings me salvation. And I must be willing to confess Christ before men to be his disciple. Can you see that there's two different things here? You can't put them together. If you try to take all those things over there and put them over here, then you won't know if you're saved or lost. And you will not understand it. See, when you have salvation, it is a gift. Rewards are earned. Salvation is a present possession. Rewards, well, that's future. Based on the work of Christ on behalf of the sinner. That's what he did for me. Based on the works of the believer, given out by grace, given out by debt. See, if you serve the Lord, God's in debt to reward you for what you've done. And God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Because service is a work of love can have salvation without rewards. Cannot have rewards without salvation because you, when you get to heavens, when you get those rewards. Achieved through the sacrifice of Christ. Achieved through the sacrifice of the believer. Do you see any difference between the two? If you do, it'll help you to see and understand this. If any man serve me, serve me, if any man will, not everybody will. Not all of God's children will. Let him follow me. And where I am, there also shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father save. Now, honor. He's going to honor you for what you did for him. Our communion service today is another way. We say to the Lord, to the world, to each other, Lord Jesus, I love you. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, is our saying, I know he loved me, but me doing this in remembrance of him is my way of saying to the Lord, I, I love you. Let me ask you the question. Do you love the Lord? Do you love him? Remember, Jesus asked Peter that three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? That's the most important thing you can ever know, ever do. Look up here very quickly. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. And God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And nobody qualifies. Nobody has a chance to go to heaven. Because, you see, we're already in debt to pay for sin. And that means death is separation from God. So Jesus Christ, this hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. Hates our sin because, see, our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead.
And God said, if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put it to our account, and I got a payment for my sins. You see, he's already done it 2,000 years ago, but it's not put to your account until you believe it. And whenever you believe it, he gives you his righteousness. If God gave me his righteousness, make me as righteous as God, would that be good enough to go to heaven on? I'm going to heaven on his, not mine. That's salvation. He came back from the dead and said, whosoever would believe it will not perish, won't go to hell, but have everlasting life. To me, that's the best news in all the world. Now, because I know he loved me that much that he did it for me, I am not trying to get everybody to live as mean and ugly and sinful as you can. Just because I'm telling you that salvation is free, that it's a gift. You can trust Christ as your Savior just like you are, have eternal life, and still stay living the way you are. You say, you shouldn't tell people that. Why? It's the truth. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. You see, if I change it, it means I'm ashamed of that truth. I'm not ashamed of that truth, that God will save you and give you eternal life. To me, it's the best news in all the world. And one day, those people that are attacking me, they're going to get theirs. And I don't have to worry about it. But I would hate to think that some of y'all sitting right here, week after week after week after week, still don't get it. Salvation is what Christ did for me. Now that I'm born into God's family as a child of God, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. But I don't do it because I have to do it to go to heaven. Because I don't, and neither do you. But I kind of fell in love with the Lord. It's amazing. That makes me want to do more than I've even thought about doing. Whatever it is, let her rip. And I don't have to worry about today. I don't even worry about tomorrow. I don't worry about anything. I'm not intimidated by anybody. Because, see, I'm not in competition with anybody. I don't have to be better than anybody. I don't have to be worse than anybody. I can just be me. Don't you want to be the best you that you can be? And let God use you in whatever he wants to accomplish in his life. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. And no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you where you trust Christ as your Savior. I'm not asking you will you be a disciple. I'm not asking you to follow Christ. I'm not asking you to uh, give up anything, sacrifice anything. I'm just asking you, will you receive what he did on the cross for you? He died for you. He paid for your sins. Would you believe he did it for you? And if you'll believe it, God said he'll give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all this morning? Say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior. I understand the difference, and I want to make sure that I am trusting Christ and Him alone. If you've never done it before, but you do it right now, would you let me know by uplifted hand? Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if I was to ask you, do you love the Lord? You will serve the Lord according to how much you love him. You can limit that. Or you can say it's unlimited. Whatever God wants to do in my life, 
whatever he wants me to be, whatever he wants me to go, I will not argue and I will not fight with God. I'm his. I pray that you'll do just that. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. We thank you so much for Christ and what he's done and for the opportunity we have as your children to tell you that we love you through the means of the communion service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.